0: You play to win the game. Atlanta yes. have given you a championship. They are who we thought they were. Playoffs. Take that for data. One, two, three, one, two. All right. Welcome to the Tater Run podcast. This is David Bethay. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Aiken, aka Scott the Stat Assassin uh we've had some trouble with our audio today we blame that on billy the intern who's not doing his job and uh just one of the new things we have going on here in the show is every quality audio show has their own studio that they record from when we're still looking for a sponsor so if you want to jump on that please feel free but in the meantime we will be trying out several different sponsorship names so this week scott and i are joining you from the buzz Lightyear year infinity studio Today's topic is going to be college football's best coaches. And everybody loves lists, especially when there's no other live sports going on. So with no football going on to talk about, we're going to do a list because, you know, why not? So this particular list is the list of the best coaches in college football. I believe that uh, I made my list with 20 coaches on it. Scott, how many are on yours? Uh, 26 and a half. (laughs) 26 and a half. And I had one honorable mention because as a coach, it's only coached 17 games. I believe you had the same honorable mention on your list.
1: Yes. That's my half.
0: Yeah. So um, let me go through a little bit of our methodology and our parameters, and then we'll get jump into our list. So when I gave Scott this project, he and I are both guys that love data and we took totally different approaches. So Scott, will you tell talk a little bit about how you constructed your list uh, so I guess
1: my mental criteria when I was thinking about best coaches um, would sort of along the lines of if my team needed to hire a coach today, who are the coaches I would most want to hire, right? And so that is sort of a combination of what has this coach achieved, right? Because that's very important about telling you how good a coach is or isn't um, in conjunction with how good is this coach going to be in 2020, right? How good is this coach right now? And how good is this coach going to be for the next, say, three to five years? I didn't think longer term than that for this because, one, it would give you a dumb list where, like, Nick Saban is 10th or something, right? And that that doesn't help anybody, right? <laughs> it's just it's crappy. Um, but the other aspect of it, too, is, if I'm an AD, I, three to five years is as long as you can really plan for, right? If you're hiring a coach, three to five years is as long as you can really plan for for that coach. So that was kind of the way I looked at it is who would I want my team to be hiring?
0: And the truth is like coaches are getting less and less time now. I mean, essentially, if you haven't shown them something to make them think that you can be a high level contender in three years, you're gone. When Willie Taggart's case, <laughs> two years, but that's because Florida state was a dumpster fire Ooh. to use one of your favorite expressions. Um, so my list is a little bit different and mines you've saw, you've seen mine kind of morph over the last three days. Uh, but I started with recent success because I realized, you know, national championships are great, but you know, I had someone like Mack Brown, very high on my list originally. And then I realized that his national championship was in 2009 and, <laughs> Or excuse me, 2005. 2005 excuse me, 2005. In yeah. his last ten-win season was in 2009. So it's like, okay, that's a long way away from being successful. And I realized I had him too high on my list. So I, I really put recent success, and that was last three to five years for me at the top of my list. Then I went with consistency, and we both had win percentage on this, so that we can kind of see, okay, what is their record been? And for me, one of the things I want to see, do they string together? consistently strong seasons, a bunch of 10-win seasons in a row because 10 wins is kind of like the standard for college football being a, a good program. And then I looked at peak years. So, like, okay, we talked about this with Mark Rick. Are you just winning 10 games and going to B-level bowls or are you winning the occasional 12 games in a conference championship and competing or at least in the discussion for a national championship? So peak years was the third thing on my list. And then at the bottom of it, I put legacy – so, yes, if you've won a national championship, you do get the edge if all other things are equal, which right now in college football, I believe we had figured out there was only four current coaches that have national championships. Is that correct? Is that right? No, there's, there's five or six now because
1: Max back in the game and Les is back in the game. so.
0: But the list is – people don't realize how small the list is of actual national championship winning coaches, you know, especially with Urban Meyer gone now. It's just the list continues to shrink. So that does put you in elite status, just the fact that you've won one. So with that laid, with that laid out – go yeah, ahead, Scott. You can't make a top ten list of the best active uh, coaches that have won a
1: national title. You don't have ten, right? Um, and, and for me, I sort of ended up kind of thinking of a bunch of different – these a bunch of these different guys in, in different tier lists, basically. And so for me, if they were kind of in the same tier, then you know having an – the national title might just push you to the top of that tier, you know, sort of like a, okay, I kind of feel about the same about guy A, B, and C, but okay, technically guy C has national title, so tie break. He'll bump up to three instead of, you know, be five, that kind of thing.
0: And you also included Chris – is it Kleiman or Kleeman? How do you say his name? Is it Chris Kleiman?
1: (sighs) it's one of those (laughs) yeah but you
0: also included him because he does have four national titles at the fcs level which is that's kind of a big deal i think you're right i think it actually is six now because i forgot to include ed orgeron so so i think the number actually might be six oh to cojo yeah cool titles (laughs) um so hey let's let's go ahead and jump into our list and We'll limit our – we'll talk about our top 10s, and then we can, we can go – we can zoom back out and talk about some other coaches that were, like, right there in the border. But could you kind of start with, like, your top 10 and uh, –
1: Spoiler alert, uh, Nick Saban and Dabo 20 are going to be up at the top here, folks.
0: Yeah, and if they weren't, yeah. anybody gives you a list whether are not they're stupid. Do not listen to their takes.
1: <laughs> so I actually start at my 11 and 12 because – I kind of had eleven and twelve in the same tier, basically as eight through ten. Well, like they're all pretty interchangeable. I wouldn't care very much about the ordering. And that was David Shaw and Gary Patterson. Both of those guys have been very good, very successful head coaches for you know, I don't know, a decade, two decades. Those guys are very good coaches. They could definitely be in a in a top ten list. But coming in at number ten for me because one is very good coach and two because has to not be completely vanilla, uh, is, is Chris Kleiman, claiming, however you say it at Kansas state, like you mentioned, uh, you know, he's only been at Kansas state for one year, so he doesn't have a lot of power five SVF track record, but the dude won like four titles and national titles in his five years or something, um, at the FCS level. He had an 18 and one. Yeah. North Dakota state who has put some legitimate players into the pros here. Right. Obviously they've done something right. Coaching. Um, he had an 18 and one playoff record when he was there. Like that's, that's pretty insane. Now, obviously it's, it's yeah. And it's FCS not FBS. So yeah, he doesn't get full credit for that. Otherwise he would be like up there with, you know sabins and right you know um but that being said the last coach that went from there who's an older coach went to wyoming has been successful at wyoming you know cleman eight and five his first year at kansas state kansas state is not a good like traditional program people um so if you can come in and go eight and five year one at kansas state that's a pretty good coaching job already,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, they had to bring Bill Snyder out of retirement just to resurrect them back to, like, respectability. So, like you said, if you take out the Bill Snyder years, that program has been awful historically.
1: So for Kleiman, you know, he's had nothing but success at both of his places. I mean, really extreme amounts of success. But, yeah, he's not going to go up way higher because he hasn't been at the – the, the tip top highest level, but um, the other guys I had kind of in that same tier, I'll lump them together at nine and eight here. I had Brian Kelly at nine and Dan Mullen at eight. Uh, both of those are guys that are very good coaches have won a lot of games. Neither of those is are guys that really, have done quite enough, I think, to jump up to some of the higher tiers, right? Brian Kelly's made a playoff, right? He's made a national championship game. Yeah, which uh, the, does it uncount
0: because they got their face stomped in so hard? It was much harder to make then. It was only two teams. So the fact that they got killed doesn't belie belie the fact that they made it when there was only a two-team playoff, which is really hard to do. They probably shouldn't have made it. But anyway, that's another story,
1: right? Brian Kelly obviously has been a very good coach consistently at Notre Dame. Um, So, yeah. If if somebody wanted to tell me that he wasn't in the top ten and he was 12 or 15 or something, like that. like, Sure, that's not crazy. I I don't see a whole lot of separation once you start getting past like five or six, right? And really once you get to like 12, 15, 20, 25, 30, it's all pretty good coaches and a lot of it is circumstance. Yeah, like they've been successful, but, you know, so.
0: But I'm going to defend your Brian Kelly Tech because the last three years, 33 and six. Ordron's record the last three years, 34 and 7. I mean, Brian Kelly's finished in the top 12 for the last five years. So I'm going to defend that pick. There is Notre Dame over the last three years has been one of the top programs in college football. I mean, they're just outside of the national championship picture and they made a playoff. I mean, and they've been right on the fringe of the discussion every year for the last three years. So I'm going to defend that pick. And he has the history of his success there and at Cincinnati. So yeah, I think that's a good take.
1: Yeah, and and right in front of him, I have Dan Mullen. And again, these are guys that could be, I guess, switched on the order. But Mm -hmm. uh, for Mullen, I'm sort of giving him a little bit of benefit here because of his success at Mississippi State, which historically just doesn't happen, right? So relative to what you'd expect at Mississippi State or relative to what you would expect at Notre Dame, uh, one of these guys has made Notre Dame look like you'd probably expect Notre Dame to look. to look. Like, the other guy yeah. made Mississippi state. Yeah. Look, you know, light years better than you would expect uh, from Starkville. Obviously for Dan Mullen, if we we're doing this list two or three years from now, if he hasn't made his way to the playoffs or something, he'd be below Brian Kelly real quick. Mm-hmm. Right. He's yeah. got a, if he wants to stay up in the top 10 area, he has to have Florida winning the sec or, getting in playoffs or something like that, because that's what you would expect from a program like that. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, he had Mississippi state as the number one ranked team in the country at one point, like that really happened. And that doesn't seem like it was a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, like it's hard to believe that was a real thing. It
1: feels like it was decades ago. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, like hashtag 2020,
0: Yeah. And like you said, like he's gone to Florida and they've immediately been a top 10 team since he's gotten there, which is what you'd mm-hmm. expect. And he just he's had the, the misfortune of being in the same division with Alabama um, with Nick Saban there. And now Alabama light as many people think of Georgia. So <laughs> it's kind of like all the years that Mark Richter was really good, but Urban Meyer and Nick Saban were in his conference. And so he could never get over the hump. So, but I think, like you said, Dan Mullen's a great coach and, All he has to do is make a playoff or win an SC championship, which I guess would get you in the playoff. And like you said, he justifies his position on this list easily. So, all right, and this, I think you had another, I think so go on to your next tier. All
1: right. So just above all those guys I mentioned, I had one guy sort of in a tier all by himself. And that guy at number seven is James Franklin. For me personally, I would pretty clearly take James Franklin over the Mullen, you know, Brian Kelly, that group. And that's not a huge gap, but yeah. I would take him over those guys. Uh, winning at Vanderbilt is yeah. going to yeah. be as hard or harder than winning at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. He won I mean, 10 basically, games at
0: Vanderbilt. 10?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 10 games at Vanderbilt, you know, he. He's got a bit of an Ohio State problem, which everybody yeah. in the Big Ten has right now, right? Uh, he did somehow manage to squeak out a Big Ten title in there somewhere, right? I which believe, is unbelievable.
0: So. Like, he gets throttled that year by uh, – it was Ohio State throttled that year, wasn't it? Or yeah. was it Michigan? And, and so, they beat, they beat, beat Michigan, I think it was. Yeah, I forget who beat who that year. They had a little three-way like, yeah. throttle fest, but <laughs> – but uh, yeah, he snuck out somehow in the Urban Meyer era. Snuck out a Big Ten championship, which Jim Harbaugh hasn't been able to do. And again, you'll
1: re- notice Jim Harbaugh is not in the top ten, folks.
0: Yeah, and his last four years, forty-two and eleven, dude. Like, so you're talking about his average season is is basically ten and three. That, that's really good. And again, he won ten games at Mandy. You're a saint if you do that. I mean, they'll build they might name a stadium after him at Vandy, even though he was only there for a few years.
1: I will say from people I know that were Vandy fans, they were pretty mad at him when he left. He burned a lot of bridges on his way out.
0: That's not a surprise. Which
1: is not a surprise. No. Uh, yeah, that's also very James Franklin, right? Like I'm still yeah, I still want to see him and him and Todd Grant, Todd so, you know, out fought on the field.
0: Oh, Both man. two,
1: like, dumb meathead guys you know, <laughs> that, are, that are pretty good coaches. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, oh, man. Um, all right, so go ahead and move up to the top of your list, your top two tiers. All right. So, yeah, spoiler, everybody. Uh, tier
1: one is Nick Saban and uh, old Dabo, Dabo right? Yeah. I, I put Saban one and, and Dabo two. And whatever, man. I don't care. It's 1A and 1B. Yeah. I,
0: I think Saban's 1A, right? But whatever. Um, I, I When a guy is in discussion to be the best coach ever and he's still good, he's got to be one of your list. And so Saban and Swinney, spoiler loader, are number one on my list also. And, I mean, they would be on anybody's list. So, so go ahead and go to that second tier, that group of coaches you have right there.
1: Right. So that group of, of four coaches and – Alphabetical order by last name is Jimbo Fisher, DeCocho, uh Lincoln Riley, and Kirby Smart. So that's not yeah. not my order, right? But the thinking here was, you know, all these guys have been really successful and either won national titles or look like they're poised to, right? Yeah. It, so Kirby, Smart, Lincoln, Riley, I haven't won a title yet. But anytime you see a list of who are the next coaches that are going to break through, it's yeah. basically just those two guys and then some filler, right? Yep, yep. Um, you know, like I said, I try to give a little bit of credit where it's due. A tiebreaker of sorts for winning a national title. Uh, that's how I ended up with, with Coach O at Joe. number three. <clears throat> um also, too, if you look at record, his record's not that great, but I'm not really holding that old Miss stint against him from 10 or 15 years ago, right? He's a much better coach now. He's learned how to let his assistants coach and get out of the way and hire people to do their job and him be responsible for running the program.
0: And I'm with you on that because originally I didn't have Coach O on my list in the top 10. And Like you said, I had to go back and actually look at his last three years, 34-7. and seven. His winning percentage at LSU is 8-16, which – just for the record folks is astronomically high. That's higher than the Nick Saban's win percentage at Alabama. So just giving you some perspective on this, or it's, sorry, it's comparable to Nick Saban's winning percentage in Alabama. Just give you some perspective on that. Kirby Smart, the last three years have been 36 and seven and Lincoln Riley is 36 and six. So he's right there with what he's done. And the year before that at USC, he was six and two. So he has truly reestablished himself as a great coach And it, Yes, his overall win percentage is very average because of his bad his bad stint at Ole Miss. But it's kind of the same thing with P.J. Fleck. If you go and look at his coaching record, it's not that good because he was 1-11 his first year at Western Michigan. That kills your winning percentage. But he's obviously way better than what his win percentage shows. And the same thing with Scott Frost, even when him going back to uh, Nebraska. He's much better than what the record is he has there. So, yeah, I would definitely ag- agree with you that Orgeron would be at the top of that group. It's hard to argue.
1: Yeah, the, the one thing that might make people a little bit angry is that little tier group. I have Jimbo Fisher last in that yeah. <laughs> group at number six. And so I said I tried to give credit for winning national titles, right? Uh, and I certainly do. I also am going to dock him for intentionally running a program into the ground right? So he basically intentionally tanked Florida state when he wasn't happy with how much money they're providing. He just said, I'm not going to do my job for a year or two and wait for a better opportunity. So that, that to me is a bit of a red flag, right? Nobody else on this list has taken a functional superpower and intentionally crashed it into the ground. So that to me, basically I'm saying, okay, you're not getting your national title tie break because you already use that
0: when you trash the program. And so just to clarify your three, your three, four, five, and six in order is Orgeron, Kirby Smart at four, Lincoln Riley at five and Jimbo Fisher at six.
1: Yes. That that's okay. My, yeah. So Saban 20 and then Coach O, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Obviously, Smart versus Riley. At, it's a I don't know. It's mostly it's just offense versus defense. Yeah. It's a toss-up. Lincoln Riley is going to be way more fun. But scoring points is a lot of fun. Let's be real. I
0: mean, Lincoln Ryan's make playoffs. Kirby's made one, but Kirby made a national championship game. I mean,
1: take your pick. Yeah, if you swapped their conferences, uh, Kirby Smart would have made a lot more playoffs than Lincoln Riley. That's true. So I don't know. They played in the playoffs head to head once,
0: and Kirby Smart won. So like, sure, it whatever. Was That's an your time amazing breaker. game. So, so recapping your top ten: Saban, Swinney, Coach O, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley, Jimbo Fisher, and again, you you even said that you can you wouldn't really argue the order of Saban and Swinney or Smart and Riley, um, Jimbo Fisher, James Franklin at seven, Dan Mullen at eight, Brian Kelly at nine, and Chris Kleiman at. 10. And then below that, you had some of the same coaches I had in that next tier of really good, um, but not top tier, which was Gary Patterson, David Shaw. And then will you go through just some of the other guys you just threw in your list? And you don't have to necessarily talk about them, but just some of the other names that were just on your list that are other good. Yeah.
1: Coaches. Yeah. I mean, like we said, there's a lot of really good coaches out there. And some of these are just coaches where it's like, hey, they're not at like your grade A program here. It has a huge history, but if you're going to consistently win eight, nine, 10 games at a place that's never won a national title, like, Hey, you're a pretty good coach. Like you're the best coach in the history of that program kind of thing. Right. Um, Mac Brown, I have on there who has a title, but now, you know, seems to be doing pretty well again in North Carolina, yeah, PJ Fleck in Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Gus Malzahn, I never really know what to do with, but I mean, he's not, a, certainly not a bad coach. He no. Just, as some years as a mediocre coach and some years as a great coach, I don't because know. his
0: career is too much of an EKG. I mean, there's just the 11-win season and the, 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 the year where they make it to the national championship game and almost win. And then there's the eight win seasons where you're just like, what are you doing on offense? You're like, you've never coached offensive football and that's your thing. And then other years they look great. So like I said, he's just, they're just so schizophrenic over there with the Auburn program, which means they'll probably win 11 games this year. Who knows? I mean, with them.
1: That sounds about right. That's how they roll. So, and, and then I have a lot of other guys that I consider that, were, like I said, consistent, stable, good coaches Mm -hmm. at your on top programs, Winningham at Utah gundy at oklahoma state you know kirk Ferentz iowa mike leach at a couple places yeah uh, paul christ at wisconsin
0: now he's one that i had off my list and i had to go back and add because i'd forgotten about him I mean, he's been excellent since he took over there
1: yeah he's been awesome the, you know the reason he's not really a top 10 kind of contender for me uh, is one yeah i mean you have like a lack of titles you have a mm-hmm. lack of elite teams the other thing too is Barry Alvarez built that program and mm-hmm. every coach that's come in there has run it the way Barry Alvarez mm-hmm. says, and they've kind of all had success. Yeah. So I don't know how much credit to really give to, to Paul Christ. but I mean, yeah, because, he's still a good coach,
0: right? Is there any difference between Paul Christ and Brett Bielema at this point? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
1: and then a couple of other, you know, Mario Cristobal, Cristobal seems yeah. like he's, yeah. Uh, Matt Campbell, Iowa state. Oh, that's a, lot, a good you know, one. I like that one. I didn't have him yeah. on my list. Yeah, and, and all these guys, it was so hard, right, is, okay, go let Matt Campbell be the head coach at, like, USC for five years and see what he accomplishes. Well, he's a really good coach at Iowa State. You give him five years of, like, Southern Cal or something, it may be real hard to keep him off the top ten. Yeah. So, they're all close. Yeah. You know, uh, Les Miles, we mentioned, right, has a, a championship, uh, but I wouldn't be high on him right now, maybe <laughs> – you got, you know, Mark Stoops at Kentucky's yeah, really Kentucky. good coach. Uh, Harbaugh is still a good coach. Uh, yeah. He's not a top 10 coach, but, you know, everybody loves to rip on Harbaugh. He's still been winning and successful everywhere yeah. he's been, right? So and my forget one, about his Stanford
0: tenure, too, where he was super successful there, built what David Shaw took over and turned into a powerhouse.
1: Yep, exactly. So my, my one guy that was just sort of TBD was yep. Ryan, Day Ryan Day at Day. Ohio State. Right, he just hasn't been there long enough for me to really know exactly what to think. Right,
0: he appears to be a heck of a coach, and Urban Meyer knew this. But like you said, it's seventeen games. I mean, you just, you can't you can't really build out. You can't really build a great argument for him to be a top ten coach just based on that small sample size. And I I get that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, what did he have to do with Chase
1: Young being phenomenal? Like, yeah. I, And again, the he didn't recruit them, the
0: guy. He didn't coach him directly. Yeah, and again, the difference between him and someone like Chris Kleiman, for those of you listening, is that Chris Kleiman won national championships at another school. So, like, even though he's only been at Kansas State for one year, he had success at another school. So we can at least look and see what it looks like when he built a program and runs it. We can't say yeah. that yet with Ryan Dage. So. And, and that's
1: four national titles too, yeah. right? It's not like we're yeah. giving him props because he won one in the FCS. Uh, we're giving him, I'm giving him credit because – he's looking to fill that thumb up with a ring because all the other fingers already got taken. Right. Yeah. So it's some, some serious winning, but.
0: All right. So your audio difficulties, I'm sorry, Billy the intern's not doing his job. Our internet connection is seems to be unstable. So we'll be getting on Billy for that. Um, he won't be getting paid this week. How much do interns make? Uh, I think we pay him $2 an hour. What's, what's, yeah, that's a pay cut for you, Billy. What's 10% of zero. All right. Um, moving on to my list in. You've already said a lot. We've talked about a lot of these coaches. So I'm just going to go through my list from 10 down. So at number 10, I had James Franklin for a lot of the reasons we've already said. Last four years, he's 42 and 11. He won a conference championship in the Big Ten, which is impressive. Um, I had David Shaw at number nine. Um, he's got three conference titles, five 10-win seasons, and uh, he's finished in the top 12 five times since 2011. They have been down the last couple of years, so that does hurt his stock on this list. But he's been very consistently good. Um I did have Les Miles, a little bit higher uh, because of the five top ten finishes. And from 05 to 13, they had seven 10-1 seasons. But I originally had him much higher on this list. And I had to bump him down this list because, again, his last 10-1 season was in 2013. I mean, what is what was LSU his last three years there? An underachieving program. Even though they were an elite program for his first, you know, seven or eight years. So, Um, then I had that tier with Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley. I have Riley slightly ahead of Smart, better win percentage, more conference titles, but again, consider the competition. Um, Riley has the highest winning percentage of any coach on this list at 857, but again, that's playing in the Big 12 with only three years of experience, so Kirby Smart by comparison is at a 786, which is still astronomically high, and he's playing in the SEC. So, Again, flip a coin there. I'm giving Riley the nod based on the three appearances in the college football playoff, even though they have yet to win a college football playoff game. (laughs) Um, And then right above them, I have Brian Kelly, which we talked about. They've been an elite program, and really the tiebreaker for me for Kelly over these other guys is they've all made playoffs. They've all, uh, him and Kirby, have both played for national championship. Kelly's had more sustained success. uh, Top. 12 in four the last five years, which is outstanding. And then Ed Orgeron, obviously, is in at number four as a national championship coach, who's just shot up the ranks over the last couple of years What he's doing at LSU. And then I had Jimbo Fisher at three, 10 wins in every year from uh, 2012 to 2016, and then Swinney and Saban to top up the list. So um, it's also interesting to look at some of these conference titles. Saban has six excuse me, Sabian has nine, Dabos 20 has six, Jimbo Fisher has three, Ed Orgeron had his first one this past year, Brian Kelly has three when they were in a conference, uh, Lincoln Riley has three already, Kirby Smart has one, Les Miles has three, and David Shaw has three, James Franklin has one. And then at the bottom of my list, the bottom half of my list, you had people like Mac Brown, Gary Patterson, Gus Malzahn, Kyle Whittingham, Mike Gunney, Kirk Ferentz, PJ Fleck, Jim Harbaugh, Dan Mullen, and Paul Chris, and Again, once you get to the last seven or eight of those, they're really kind of interchangeable. It's take your pick for a good coach at a good program. Um, And I went ahead and did a little breakdown by conference. And it more or less – we talked about this before we got on the podcast. It more or less plays out the way you would think it does. ACC with two coaches on – the ACC has, for the last few years, been the weakest conference uh, by leaps and bounds, truthfully. Um, SEC had six coaches on the top twenty list. The Pac 12 had two, again, one of the weaker conferences. The Big Ten had five coaches, and the Big Twelve had four coaches. And then we have one independent and Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. And you and I were talking about this, how this more or less matches what you see in the power rankings for the conferences. The SEC, Big Twelve, and Big Ten are by far the three best conferences. I mean, it's pretty clear, and they're the conferences with the big with the best coaches. Yeah, and, and I would really
1: say that it's been the SEC first, and the the Big Ten has been second, second, and then kind of after that, you sort of have a a bit more of a gap, right? Gap, yeah. Like, I think the Big Twelve, top to bottom, hasn't really been that great. It's been top heavy, you know? yeah. You know, it's not been all that terribly different from you know how Clemson's been hanging out in the ACC yeah. where it's been kind of Clemson and everybody else. Now, the difference between those two conferences and the Pac-12 is that those two conferences have a clear blue blood with right. a top-level coach and big-time talent, so you know you have a team that can at least compete in the playoff, playoff right? Yeah.
0: And like, like you're saying, like this year the Big 12 had Baylor, who was legitimately a good team, and the year before that, Texas, who was legitimately a good team, but there's not even a clear second, really good team every year. All right, so Scott, any final thoughts on our list? I know you made a comment about me and uh, where I'd placed uh, Dan Mullen. Thought he was a little low on my list. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was a little surprised. I would, I would, you know, bump him up like at least a pretty solid five spots, pretty quick and easy. Um, like I just think he belongs in the tier above, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh and Kirk Frentz and Mike Gundy and those guys. But to be honest, right, like, let's say Florida wins nine or ten games each year for the next two or three years, then I would bump them down from, like, eight-ish to 18 yeah. pretty quick, right? Because that would be, at best, meeting expectations. It definitely would not be exceeding them. You're probably and I, right. I probably wouldn't even be meeting them, honestly. But Yeah, and
0: I probably – when making my list, the bottom of my list, I didn't give as much care to it. And you're right. Dan, when I'm looking at this myself. Like, Dan Mullen should be at least where Gus Malzahn is at the very least. And he is, should probably be ahead of – and he should definitely be ahead of Cook, Ferencz and P.J. Fleck. Um, so I, he definitely is – and looking at it, I think I'd have to agree with you. If I had to redo this, I'd probably have him closer to the 12-ish range on my list if I was to redo it. But, and that's why these things are fun. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily locked into these rankings, but it is just a great way of visualizing who really is the best. Um, so with that said, we're going to wrap it up. This is our longest podcast to date. Uh, this You're is welcome. Title, yeah. <laughs> so this is Scott the Stat Assassin and David Bethay, your host for the Title Run Podcast, signing off. Thank you for listening.